Inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Brett throw in motion. Snap. Steelers bring four. Off the edge. In the pocket again. Fires down the field for Renfro. And it's intercepted by Sutton at the Steelers 30. And Pittsburgh takes over on a pick. It's time for Cofield and Company. On ESPN Las Vegas. It is Cofield and Company on this Monday. Live from Twin Peaks. Your spot. Monday Night Football and really all live televised sports. Get on down here. It's on Eastern, just off the 215 out in Henderson. Adam Hill and Willie Ramirez in for Steve Cofield. I think still trying to recover from not only the Jets game from Thursday night, but also uh, the beating him and the show took on Friday with Festivus for sure. Uh, So a lot to get into today as we get you ready for Colts and Chargers, Chargers with a chance to clinch a playoff berth. The Raiders, oh boy, got a lot to get into there, including what might happen going forward with this Raiders team. The rest of the division, the Chiefs on their way to potentially a one seed, the Broncos moving on from their coach. A very, very busy division in the AFC West. We'll get to all of that today on the program. And we said this is your spot for live sports. We'll get on down here for Monday Night Football, Colts and Chargers. But also, this game's on right now. The Motor City Bowl, New Mexico State and Bowling Green is live right now. You can check that out down here at Twin Peaks as you get ready for Monday Night Football. Kind of one-sided so far with New Mexico State running them out. Bowling Green, two short fourth down attempts in the first half. They tried to kick field goals on both of them, missed both of them, which is what I love about the anti-analytics, quote, take the points crowd. They just assume all field goals are made anyway. It's silly. Just one more reason teams should not kick field goals in those situations, but you see it there. 24-7, New Mexico State with the lead over Bowling Green in this spot, but let's get to it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. It is the three, and we'll start with Nathaniel Hackett being fired from the Broncos today. Interesting decision that is made by the Broncos. Of course, this was going to happen anyway after the year was over. I've been told by several people, not that it's any big secret, but it was told by several people inside the NFL circles that this decision was made weeks ago. Uh, that the Walmart folks kind of taking over, getting ready to put on their stamp, were willing to spend whatever it took. And obviously it was not going to work with Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. They're not going to be able to move on from Russell Wilson. That's going to be almost impossible. So the only real solution to really start getting things done there is to move on from Nathaniel Hackett. Doesn't even make it the full season. Very short list of people who have not made it the full season in NFL history in terms of head coaches. Uh but I, as I was saying, we have, we have live games on. It's all, there's also the uh, Diamond Head Classic on today. So uh, college basketball kicking off as well, or uh, tipping off as well right now. You can check that out down here at Twin Peaks too. But uh, as far as Hackett goes, yeah, this was going to happen. Uh, we have been told that a decision was made not only to move on from Hackett, but also in terms of who might be the next head coach. Now I think that may have changed. I think there could be some possibilities that – 
the Dan Quinn hiring that was going to happen, that we thought was almost a done deal in Denver, may not happen anymore. And a lot of that is because the checkbook is open. Walmart folks willing to spend whatever it takes to get their next head coach. So um, they don't necessarily have to go in that direction, although that was where it seemed like George Payton wanted to go. Uh, but he may not have that power anymore, may not get to make that decision. So it may not be Dan Quinn uh, that gets hired as the next head coach in Denver, although I looked on some uh, some odds that just came out. He is the number two choice uh, on the odds board right now in terms of who might be hired uh, in that position. But look, if you're going to open the checkbook, if you're going to say, hey, look, we have an unlimited budget, we can hire whoever we want, then there's going to be more doors open. And that would include a name like Sean Payton, who we believe has, according to reports, a staff ready to go, that he's contacted and agreed with a whole bunch of high-level assistant coaches uh, that will come with him to Denver or to wherever he would go and try to take a job. Would Sean Payton want to walk into a situation where he's tied to Russell Wilson and you know, perhaps that's that's your option for the next couple of years you're not going to be able to get out of that so that's who you're going to have to hire i don't know if that's intriguing to him or not i mean you have some certainty in terms of who your quarterback is but at the same time it's russell wilson who's old and struggling and kind of there long term kind of agreed to that contract and not really something you can get out of or would he want to go somewhere like the rams who are in maybe a potential full rebuild but at least you have some options in terms of how you want to construct your roster and who you want to play for you so um, that could be a possibility as well for him. But Peyton is, is on the board. He's definitely a possibility. Uh, I think that there's some uh, you know some other big-name options as well that Denver could potentially turn to uh, in terms of what they want to do. But uh, it seemed like Dan Quinn was kind of a slam-dunk done deal. That might not be the case anymore, but at least he's one of the options. And Whatever it is, it wasn't going to work out with Nathaniel Hackett. Unfortunately for him, I kind of like him as a person, but uh, this wasn't going to work. They have just recently in the last hour or so uh, made an interesting decision in terms of who the interim coach is going to be. It it sounds like some of the people on the staff turned down the interim label, didn't want to be the interim coach of this team. Uh, So it looks like they are going to go with uh, Jerry Rosberg, who was brought in as a consultant during the season. Uh, he is going to go ahead and take over uh, because it sounds like, uh, like I said, a couple of guys said, ah, you know what, two weeks left, I'm going to stick with my job. Uh, I know the defensive coordinator being one of them and saying, I'm good. Uh, No sense of changing what we're doing. Let's keep running the defense. Let's not have a whole lot of turnover. It's only two weeks. There's not a whole lot you can get done anyway. And so, uh, like I said, Jerry Rosberg will be in that spot. Will you surprise by Denver's decision today? Nobody's surprised that he, they fired him. Right. The only surprise, I think, for me is, is why it took so long. Oh, well, okay. Why it took so long or why it's so early? Why not, why not wait till the end of the year? Well, yeah, at this point, you just say, okay, I think it was just because it was, you know, it's one of those things like, for instance, and I mean, the NFL and college are obviously different, but for instance, like with UNLV, right? You get rid of a royal and then it's automatic like, okay, well, they need to get someone in place. So I think with this, they realistically, instead of doing the firing right after the 17th game and then taking a couple of weeks they now have two weeks and maybe have someone in place when the season's over put someone in place and get to work yeah i do think that's usually why you would do something like this kind of get a head start on the game uh it seems to me like the reason they did this one today 
as opposed to waiting is because yesterday was such an embarrassment. Well, yeah, yeah, that. I mean, not, that's not obvious. just not just what happened on the field because that happens. Right. You're going to see some some ugly losses, some blowout losses, uh, but really off the field. I mean, they they're fighting on the sideline. Yeah. Brett Rippin shoving and pushing some offensive linemen, which it sounds like the linemen were going after Russell Wilson. Brett Rippin stepped in to defend Russell, and then took the brunt of it. And then you know Randy Gregory throwing punches after the game on the field, like. They've lost the team completely, and in that regard, makes a lot of sense that you would make this move and move on uh, from from Nathaniel Hackett uh, here. I've, I still, you know, meeting Nathaniel Hackett at the draft at the combine, excuse me, uh, was an was a great dude. I, I liked him a lot personally. Uh, got to uh, spend some late nights kicking back a few drinks with Mister Hackett, and he was he was fun. I liked him, but it wasn't going to work out, and it seems like that was going to be the case for sure. Uh, with this team, what what direction do you think they go in for looking for their new head coach? Well, I think you got. I think if if Sean Payton's, if he's on the board in terms of you know if he's out if he's recruitable, if you can get if you if you can court him and get him in for an interview, I mean you go for him first in my opinion. Um, I think you were on board at the beginning of this season or during the off season when we were all at training camp and OTAs and saying that you know the Russell Wilson move wasn't the end-all to be-all and that was going to resolve things. But I think the combination of him and Hackett were treacherous for this team. A guy like Sean Payton may be able to somewhat resurrect a little bit of Russell Wilson and see which direction to take it because I can't. they can't get out of that contract. This dude's there for, for, for a bit. I mean, it's just, just going to be impossible. So I think you have to figure out a way to make it work, and you need an offensive mind in there. So I think it makes sense to go after someone like that that can sort of bulk things up. It's you know, you mentioned how you know not just on the field an embarrassing loss, but it was the most embarrassing loss for a team we've been talking about that hadn't allowed more than thirty points, but twice, once to the Chiefs, once to the Raiders. Um, you know, the defense, I would have to imagine it still somewhat has its semblance um, outside of what took place yesterday. It just, you need someone to come in and rebuild around Wilson that's best going to accompany him. So I think he has to be first and foremost. Where you go from there, you may want to see what shakes out this season, who's available. But you mentioned something interesting. If Peyton is sitting there with a, a staff in place, it's very intriguing. Because there's not a lot of things, to, you know clean house bring one in and start right away yeah uh we'll we'll try to find out what exactly uh the decision there is in terms of moving forward with the broncos uh, i had a couple other things i want to talk about but there's breaking news in the nfl which is pretty shocking actually more uh to a vihaloa yesterday really struggled down the stretch in the second half and it looked like he was just off mm-hmm and that was kind of surprising because Tua, you know, love him or hate him, has not looked like that this year. No. He has looked far, you know, far better than I think a lot of people believed. He started making people forget about those Tyreek Hill comments in the in the preseason that everybody made fun of of him being so accurate, the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with. And then all of a sudden yesterday, game on the line, down the stretch, he just starts throwing it to the other team. And 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 literally. Not not yeah. just not just Adam's not just saying like, well, the Packers picked them up, literally throwing them to the other team. So Tua comes into the facility today, 
day after the game, you always come in and, you know, get some treatment, watch a little film. That's the Monday after a Sunday game. Comes in today, starts meeting with the doctors, tells them how he's feeling. They immediately get concerned and run some tests. And at some point in yesterday's game, Tua suffered a concussion. He is back in protocol. Could potentially explain what was happening down the stretch because that looked bizarre. Yeah. And you immediately start to think, okay, Tua probably not playing this week with a very important game for the Dolphins. Could potentially open the door a little bit even more for the Raiders, which I'm sure fans, I know fans are very frustrated that there's still a chance, but there is still a chance. But Tua, not only for this week, with what he's been through this year, you start thinking long-term potential ramification. Now, it's very early in this process as it just happened. But this is a scary situation for a quarterback and a team that has a lot invested in this quarterback. This is definitely something to monitor. Again, this is, this story is four minutes old at this point, so we're just learning it right now. But this is definitely something to monitor with the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, and because the, the scary thing is, is just that you had this guy in there. When did he? You know, when did it happen? Um, and because it's been a conversation all season, right? In, in terms of putting guys out there, um, playing them back to back, we've had this we've had this conversation multiple times with this team. Um, looks like Teddy Bridgewater is going to get first team work in practice, per Mike McDaniel. Um, and 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 they're saying it's that or McDaniel said it's too soon really to tell if Bridgewater starts or Tua recovers in time. Problem is, is that. This ongoing situation, it's uh, I don't I don't know if he needs to be on the field. Yeah, and we should say somebody, of course, went and found immediately the the video, the footage of when Tua looked like he hit his head. Uh, it was twenty to ten in the second quarter, and there was a a play where he got rid of the ball, then he got hit, goes to the ground, hits his head. So that would be in the, late in the second quarter of that game yesterday, with the Dolphins leading twenty to ten. Of course, after that. It was all Packers who go on to win and keep their hopes alive for making the playoffs. Uh, but it would explain maybe a lot of what happened. Now, it also might not explain a lot of it, but um, certainly was not the same player after that hit that he was before it. And now he is in concussion protocol. So absolutely a developing story uh, to monitor going forward to a tongue of Iloa in concussion protocol uh, for the Dolphins. And Teddy Bridgewater likely getting the reps this week as they try to remain in the playoff hunt after a tough losing streak that they've been going through right now. Uh, so we'll keep our eyes on that. Of course, Raiders still in the hunt somehow. Uh. And it could help if the Dolphins lose a couple of games here down the stretch. We'll get into the Raiders, what went wrong there, and so much more around the NFL as we continue Twin Peaks on a Monday. Get over to Twin Peaks in Henderson for Monday Night Football. Awesome food and drink specials. Plus, Cofield and Company's Willie Ramirez will have plenty of great prizes you can win. It's Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks in Henderson. If we're sitting in the meeting room today thinking that we played great over the last however long it is, I don't think that's really the case. We all can do better, and we should, and we need to, and we can coach better. We're all in this together. That's the way it's going to be, and you win and lose as a team, so everybody you know, can do better, and I, I'm sure he'd be the first one to tell you that he could do the same thing. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. 
interesting comments today mm. from over at the Raiders facility mm. from Josh McDaniels. Now, Raiders still have not officially been eliminated from playoff contention. In fact, even if the Chargers win tonight, the Raiders will not be officially eliminated from playoff contention. I think right now they're around 1.8%. If the Chargers win tonight, they go down to about nine percent, or point, excuse me, point nine percent. If the Chargers lose, I think it goes up to like two point one, two point two percent, somewhere around there. So, still a very, very <laughs> difficult task. Very long odds to potentially make it back uh, into the playoffs for the Raiders, but the door is not closed. So you would think maybe. They stay with some of the starters, some of the veterans, until that door is officially closed. But I have to say, after listening to Josh McDaniels today, Mm -hmm. he did not make a commitment to who would be playing any position Mm. on Sunday Mm -hmm. against the 49ers. Mm -hmm. If you made me bet, Mm -hmm. I would bet that it's not Derek Carr playing quarterback. You know what, Adam? I, I listened to that press conference. I was uh it's the first time this season that I felt that he was not only non-committal overall toward Derek Carr that he somewhat grabbed the chalk and drew some writing on the chalkboard for us um I I just I, I mean I I think he did his best as possible to answer the questions without revealing but for us who've been there, well, you've been there every single day just about. Um, I've listened to maybe 70% of the press conferences or watched them after the fact. Um, I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't know about this week. I, I didn't read into that. What I was reading into was more so the season or, or the, the future. And uh, – if he does start these next two weeks, if you're a Derek Carr fan, longtime Raiders fan, cherish them because, in my opinion, he's done. I'm, I think we've been saying that, but today, McDaniels, in so many words, put it up there. Yeah, I, I think several weeks ago, potentially, a decision had been made that this was the last season for Derek Carr in Las Vegas, uh, unless something drastically changed. You know, if they go on a seven-game winning streak to end the year. Uh, I I still believe it goes back to the Jacksonville game. I think the Jacksonville game is where, you know, there were so many opportunities to make a play with the team winning, you know, 17 nothing, blowing that game. Now, there were some, some factors that I think people forgot that it was 17 nothing uh, late in the second quarter. Jaguar scored, scored to start the third quarter, and then one first down for the Raiders, and then the Jaguar scored again. So, in a span of only five offensive plays, they went from being down 17 nothing, uh, being up 17 nothing, to being down 21-17. That's true. They didn't really have many opportunities. But le- you know, down the stretch in that game, the defense kept getting stops. The offense kept doing nothing. Right. And I think there were several opportunities, including late in the first quarter, excuse me, late in the first half, they had a field goal where they absolutely should have had a touchdown. Amir Abdullah was wide open. Derek Carter threw him. I've watched that play probably 20 times since then to now. And to me, that may have been not only the game, but the play that Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler maybe maybe said, probably have to look at our options after this year. And look, they structured the contract that way. There's a reason 
that the contract was structured so that the Raiders could get out after one season because of this. They didn't know what they had in him. They wanted to see what they had. They wanted to see if he could play in their system and, and adapt to what they wanted him to do, and it seems like they haven't. So I feel like we will see not necessarily this week, but I think it's possible it happens this week. But I do think we're seeing the beginning of the end of the Derek Carr era quarterback for the Raiders in this franchise. And I, I know people feel differently about that. I know when I showed up at the facility today, there was a fan standing outside. I put a post up on Twitter. A fan standing outside with a sign, a lone fan by himself in front of the facility. In car, I trust. And I thought it was very telling that it was one person and it said, I trust. It wasn't in car, we trust. Right. So he couldn't get other people to go down there with him. There's still plenty of supporters, and look, I, I think to say it's all Derek Carr's fault or it's all on Derek Carr, when when you talk about the team moving on or the franchise moving on, people say it's more than him. Yeah, of course it is. But there has been one common denominator in the last eight seasons, and it's been him. And and also, you mentioned the drop pass against Jacksonville. We've seen it throughout the season. We have seen drop passes. Well, that wasn't a drop pass. That was a bad pass. Okay, so you're you talking about the one to Abdullah. To Abdullah, oh, okay. it was wide open, and he underthrew it, and they settled for a field goal instead of a touchdown. Okay, but we have seen drop passes. Not many. What I have seen in the last few games, maybe going back to the Colts game, um, is regression and just consistent horrible passes. I mean, you see the passes he's overthrowing Devontae Adams. You see the pa- the – the, the ducks that he's throwing. Uh, I can't remember what game it was. Adam, uh, was it at, at L.A. where he intended, I think he was going for Darren or Matt Collins, and he got picked off in the end zone down late in the first half. Was that in L.A. against the Rams? Was that that game? Sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, uh, was, when, that was when an offensive lineman got bumped into him while he was making the throw. Right, but nevertheless. Yeah. That, 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 that didn't cause – the throw to go as bad as it did because it, it didn't go off one way or the other. Nevertheless, I've seen more regression of late, um, and I've and I've always I don't want to use the word fan because I'm not a Raiders fan, I'm not a Derek Carr fan, but I've been as a reporter, you know, objective stood on both sides and been subjective to to the to to what he's done right, what he's done wrong, but more times than not, what's not been his fault. Um, extenuating circumstances that have caused this team to, you know, fail is the best word. Is is simple is fail, you know. Um, and and there have been many times where it's a lot more than Derek Carr. Whereas, and I'm not saying that he lost the game in Pittsburgh because the defense needs to stop them, um, but and the defense needs to stop these comebacks. But nevertheless, the offense. And at the beginning of the season, I was putting a lot of it on Josh McDaniels. Play calling. We, we've, we've talked about that. But, you know, um, it's too easy to blame it on weather. It's too easy to blame it on, you know, these little things that they're not affecting other quarterbacks. They're not effect- affecting rookies. They're not affecting, you know, they're, they're, Derek Carr is a seasoned veteran who last year overcame a lot of stuff off the field to lead this team to the playoffs. So uh, I can see why they would move in a different direction. Now, I will say this. 
Um, I'm not going to go on record and saying that I think Derek Carr is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, an elite quarterback. I have said in the past that he's a top 10 quarterback. A lot of people, you know, they've always extended it. Well, it's a top 12. Okay, top 10, elite, it's the top five, whatever. Top 10 quarterback. And I think that he could lead a team to the playoffs. I think it's just time that they separate. I think he could find a different place where he could possibly thrive, where maybe it's a run-oriented offense and he can manage a little bit better and not have to count on a big play receiver or a big passing attack um, and something that's established where he can just come in. And maybe it would be good for the both of them, the Raiders and Derek Carr. But at this point, it's a, the marriage is over. There's really only two sure ways. We'll, we'll follow up on this uh, as we continue. There's really only two sure ways in terms of managing rosters with the salary cap era uh, to actually compete. And I've said for the last, what, three years since I've been covering this team, four years, that I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. That's not good enough. We'll get into what those two ways are. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Uh, what those two ways are to compete for a title in the NFL in these current era, in this current era, uh, we continue Twin Peaks on a Monday. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Yeah, man, it's bull for real. And it's on us, you know. Uh, everybody wanted, you know, talk about the defense, but they made their stops when they were supposed to. We got to help them out. Like every day, I come here and bust my ass. I see the guys, you know, bust the ass, and, you know, the result is not there. And, you know, for me, the last four years, the result hasn't been there. Quite frankly, I don't know what else to do. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. It is Cofield and Company on this Monday from Twin Peaks, talking about the future of the Raiders in terms of Really, a lot of the spots, but really the quarterback position is one that gets the most attention, of course, and uh, that's what the focus is right now because there was no, certainly no strong endorsement. <laughs> As we sit here at Twin Peaks, by the way, this is your spot for Monday night. Sorry to, to deviate again, but we sit here with all these great TVs on, and they've got the uh, replay going of the Dolphins-Packers game from yesterday. We just talked about two entering concussion protocol, and my goodness, watching back, um, Looks like he may have been dizzy while he was on the field. Uh, not to oversimplify it, but the throws are just perplexing uh, and pretty baffling. And, and you see what's going on uh, in that game yesterday as it looked like he may have played the entire second half with a concussion. And we know that the issues he's already had this season. Uh, so there's quarterback issues all over the place. But with the Raiders, it is, uh, it is a lot of focus right now. There was no strong endorsement given. Uh, of Derek Carr as the starting quarterback of the Raiders for this week or beyond by Josh McDaniels today. Uh, it's I think people close to the situation, if you would have made me bet even before Saturday's game, if Derek Carr was starting week one of 2023 for the Raiders, I would have bet absolutely no. Uh, now a lot of other people are kind of piling onto that. Uh, there's certainly the question of where do you go? What do you do? What is the plan going forward? I said that there's two ways right now in the NFL that you can compete for a title. It's having – there's really three, but it's it's mainly two. It's either a quarterback on a rookie deal that you can build around and put all these great pieces in place around and try to take advantage of the contract situation with the salary cap, or a 
legitimately elite Hall of Fame quarterback, which Derek Carr is not. You said top ten. I've I will fight back on that forever. I don't think he's ever been in the top ten. I don't think he ever will be in the top ten. Uh, I think he's, I don't think he is right now anymore. He's I think coming into this at season, his best, he's like ten to twelve. Okay. Uh, at his worst, he's like eighteen to twenty. That's for sure. And so he's right in the middle. He's he's to me just on the just in the upper half of the league. You know, fourteenth. 14th, 15th best quarterback in the league, right around that spot. And that is a terrible place to be because you're way too good to easily move on from. It, you're way too good of a quarterback to just say, we're done with you, we're moving on. You're not Zach Wilson, right? which is easy to just be like, all right, we're done, bro. We're out. And you know, who's, you know what type of player is making it hard for him? Are guys like Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy. These young guys, rookie deal, rookie deal. These young guys that are proven, because I've I've been you know I've been constantly saying that if they move on from him, I've been saying this for weeks that if they were to move on, um, that it would be tough with the components that they already brought in that they have. Um, if they brought in a rookie or they drafted in that sense, then. You're starting over, and you're going to have to endure another season, possibly like you're enduring now, and having to build all over again to teach Josh McDaniels the system. And two guys that are squashing that real quick. I mean, Trevor Lawrence isn't a rookie, but him and Purdy. I mean, these guys. I mean, heck, Baker Mayfield learned the dang playbook on the airplane to beat these guys, to beat the Raiders. So um, they're kind of squashing all that. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not McDaniels and his staff knows what they're doing if they were to bring a young guy in. Yeah, and I think like those are those are different types of examples. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be a generational player. He was ruined early in his career by Urban Meyer being a total disaster and a joke. Uh, Brock Purdy has not been playing well. I know that's a, that's crazy to say. He's not playing well. But they're winning. He is right. He is he is in a perfect system where. You could thrive as a quarterback. And he's not doing anything special, but he's in a great, great system. And he's got an unbelievable defense around him. He's making the throws that he has to, which is throw. Hey, here's wide open guy. He's going to be wide open on this play. Throw to him. Done. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. If offensive guru Josh McDaniels came in and, had a, and there was a fantastic system and Waller and Renfro weren't hurt, but – um, Carr was still making the idiotic mistakes, but the Raiders were winning. Would we be having this conversation? Uh, no, but we saw it. I, I mean, look, I'll, I'll point to just Saturday alone. Wide open receivers all over the field. I understand that. Just oh, missing them. You're talking about Carr. Yeah. But what I'm talking, what I'm saying, you're saying. That's why I'm saying Pur- it's on Carr. No, but what I'm saying is Purdy, right? If, if, if he's not performing, great. But this is a kid who just started his career. Yeah, for sure. Okay. But he's in a great system, and they're winning. So if the Raiders were winning and, and the system was working, we wouldn't be having this conversation Well, about Carr. M- most people wouldn't. The guys still Like, here's the thing. Last year, they won. They went to the playoffs. And what right. did I say? They stunk. Right. They stunk. He didn't play well. They weren't a good team. They were winning. They were winning as a result of other teams playing backup quarterbacks, other teams being in bad situations. Um, you can't be fooled by wins and losses. That's a very important thing. Don't be fooled by wins and losses in terms of how players are playing. And it happens all the time. You see it all over the place. 
You cannot get stuck in this. And that's why during this offseason, when everybody said the Raiders are a playoff team, adding Devontae Adams, bringing in Josh McDaniels and his system, bringing in all these pieces, this is great. And what did I say every day? Not in July. Or in July, you said no, no. They should be rebuilding. Yes. Well, you said that last year. They, yes, uh, during the offseason. They had fool's gold by going to the playoffs. They are not this good. They should be rebuilding right now. I think you might have been the only media member and they, that said to get rid of Carr last season. Right, and it wasn't. Uh, and it's not blaming Carr. It's just that. No, rebuild. It's, it's rebuild. You right. have to rebuild. Right. Go through a bad season. Go ahead and rebuild. Now they went through a bad season while loading up because they had fool's gold of going to the playoffs last year and thought that they were just going to build off of that. They should have rebuilt last year. Now they're going to have to do it this offseason and probably go through another struggle of a season unless, of course, you're bringing in. Say it. I mean, the rumors are out there, so let's list the possibilities. A, number one rumor out there right now, and I'm sure most people have heard it, is that Tom Brady wants to play in Las Vegas, wants to reunite with his very, very close friend, Josh McDaniels, is done with Tampa Bay and their system, Look, looks at the Raiders and says, they've got Devontae Adams, they've got Darren Waller, they've got Hunter Renfro, they could sign Josh Jacobs again if Tom Brady's coming in. Looks like a Patriots team. Brady's always been willing to take less money. Doesn't need it. Because he doesn't need it. And, by the way, he did get paid in Tampa, but he, I think he would take less to come in here and play with the Raiders. And he's say, not worried about it. He's got a paycheck waiting when get, he quits. Get me a couple offensive linemen. Yep. Build, load up on the defense. I've got the weapons I need. Let's go. I got news for you. When Brady comes here, linemen will come. Yeah. They won't have to. They're not going to have to look too far. Yeah. I think that's that's fair also. So that's something to watch. The Aaron Rodgers rumors certainly are out there as well that yeah. he wants to change the scenery. He wants to reunite with Devontae. Devontae Adams yesterday, I know, got a lot of attention for liking a tweet about the Packers and how they were playing. Uh, he also got attention. He also got attention for liking a tweet that said the Raiders are not throwing the ball. To Devontae Adams enough uh, this week. He liked both of those tweets, so that's something to pay attention to. That's something to monitor. Um, there's there's those possibilities out there. I've always believed the Jimmy Garoppolo theory that he could come in and potentially mentor a young quarterback that they bring in uh, that they draft, which is very possible. There's all those all those possibilities that are out there. Of course, they've not moved on for Derek Carr yet. It's just the writing seems to be on the wall at this point. Uh, so we'll continue to talk about the Raiders and what they could possibly do. Is this the time that they make the change? Do they start Jarrett Stidham this week against the 49ers? Do they maybe wait until they're out of the playoffs and do that in the final week of the season? Uh, or do they not do that at all? They let Derek Carr play it out. You take the chance that he gets hurt, gets injury guaranteed, which I don't think anybody in the organization wants. Uh, a lot of chances that are out there right now uh, for what the Raiders could do. A lot to talk about, a lot to dissect. But we also want to get into what is going on with the Golden Knights. They started to turn it around. They got hot couple of wins going into the break, a couple of days off for the team, a lot of storylines around the Golden Knights right now. We want to talk to Ashley Weiss and see what's going on with the Knights. We come back from Twin Peaks. Chips and queso or mozzarella bites for just 4 bucks. $5 Modelo's and plenty of other great food and drink specials. Twin Peaks in Henderson is your spot for Monday Night Football with Cofield and Company. Now here's Mark Stone. He's 0 for 1 this year. He can win it. Right, he goes left to the hash marks. He shoots, he scores! Couple of big fist pumps from Mark Stone. Mocked by his teammates at center ice. The captain wins it in the fourth round of the shootout. Golden Knights five, Blues four. 
hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. It is Cofield and Company. No Steve Cofield. Adam Hill, William Ramirez live from Twin Peaks Monday Night Football. It's your spot. Come on down. Bowl games throughout the day. Got some college basketball. Mountain West, Utah State in action over at the Diamond Head against Washington State. Good matchup there to watch. So many great games you can come down here to watch the Golden Knights as well. And when you do, you will see Ashley Vice on the screen doing her great work on the broadcast AT&T Sportsnet. And she joins us now. First of all, Ashley, how are you and how was the holiday? It was good. I'm uh, going to admit I was one of the many people who was impacted by all of those flight cancellations. But it was uh, 65 degree in, degrees in Vegas yesterday, so can't complain. Uh, had a good, relaxing weekend and excited for the team to get back at it tomorrow night. How are you guys? We are good. Have you seen the pictures at the airport today here? I mean, it is a madhouse of people it's just crazy luggage, people. It's a mess. Unreal, unreal. Uh, I Stay away from that as much as you can. Anyone yeah. who has the option to, I would definitely recommend it. But, uh, yeah, just thankful to uh, have a healthy, happy holidays, and I hope that you guys did the same. Yeah, you might be safer returning Christmas gifts today than you would going <laughs> to the airport. Yeah, no. No yeah thanks that is that. very true, and that's saying something. Yeah, exactly. So that is saying how, something. How important was those two win- were those two wins, if I can speak English, for the Golden Knights going into the break? Just to, you know, I think, as Bruce Cassidy said the other night, look, we were going to be in first place anyway, but it's nice to go in and have a couple of wins, a couple of home wins, and games they scored goals at home. What a welcome sight. That had to be good for them going into the break. Right. No, I completely agree. I think that the way you go into breaks is super important anyways, because I think a lot of times that's the way that you come out of breaks as well. Um, And I think it was important for a couple of reasons. You mentioned uh, home ice. That's a big one for sure. Another thing is banking those points while you can, while you're injury-ridden like they are right now, is also super important. The more points you can get when, I'm not going to say they weren't expected to get points, but the more points you can bank in times where it's difficult to bank those points, the better. Um, and like you said, they you know got some offense going, corrected some things. Uh, it was important to get that confidence going at home, too, because they're home so much in January. It's been a really heavy road schedule to start the season, but in January there's only one long road trip it's to new york the very last week so i think for all of those reasons uh, it was really important not to mention they've played more games than almost everyone uh, la has played 37 that's the only team that's played more than vegas um so that's another reason that it's important to bank those points because last year was kind of an example of okay the team was sitting in first in the pacific going into the all-star break and then after the all-star break you know they go downhill and everyone catches them so uh, important for many reasons, but you just hope that it's something they build on, especially starting tomorrow because they're facing a divisional opponent who's right behind them in the standing. They've won, uh, as you mentioned, two straight. I, and the losses stand out so much because they've been happening at home, but they have won four of their last six. Um, so they so they will head on the road to SoCal before coming back for that New Year's Eve game. But, Ash, um, with the goaltending, they started out so strong. They were leading the league. And as it sort of tapered off and they've incurred injuries, we've seen it slip a little bit. Is that just a normal lull that's going to sort of balance itself out? Um, Have you been seeing overall consistency? Will Thompson and Hill somewhat reconstruct what we saw earlier on? Maybe not as strong, but at least be capable. You know, the save percentage and goals against average has slipped uh, a bit since the first, like, 10, 15 games of the season, yeah, but... 
the team's offense also dried up, and that that really magnifies what you think or think may or may not be happening uh, from a goaltending standpoint. Honestly, you know, you could say the goaltending is flipped or, you know, maybe goaltending isn't winning games. Well, the goaltending uh, helped win that shootout, right? Logan Thompson, exactly. you know, you know his third-period performance, uh, he didn't face a ton in overtime, but when he did, it was massive, his shootout performance. So, you know, if, if you're coming up with saves to win games, that, that tells you something right there, right? And, you know, I don't see goaltending as an issue still. Um, I think that 16 wins is the third most by a goaltender in the NHL, and that's what Logan Thompson has. And if your team's winning, you're doing something right. Um, you know, early in the season, too, something uh, that was talked about a lot early in the season was that um, the goaltending numbers were really good, but the team wasn't giving up a lot of high-danger chances. So that might be something that we're seeing as well. Um, you know, as details in the game have flipped, as injuries have come up. I mean, you know, you went nine games without Alex Petrangelo. Now you're missing Zach Whitecloud and Shea Theodore. And Bruce Cassidy had said all season that Jack Eichel had been the best defensive forward on the team so far. So you take all of those guys out of the equation, more high-danger chances are going to come up as well, and that could contribute to goaltending numbers. So I don't see it as anything that's a concern, that's for sure. Um, you know, you hope that those guys just continue to get more and more confident. And you also hope that as the team uh, continues to get offense going again, hopefully still hope to see more secondary scoring here um, in these next couple games until hopefully they can get some healthy bodies back. But I don't see it as a big concern. Ashley Vice, you can catch her on the VGK broadcast and so much other programming as well around the Golden Knights. Great job uh, that she and everyone over there uh, does keeping up with this team and keeping you guys informed. Uh Mark Stone doesn't like shootouts. What happened? That's, yeah, I said the same thing. I was like, you're not going to fly under the radar for that much longer because he had that penalty <laughs> shot in Edmonton as well. And then they put him in to win it in the shootout. And, he, you know, I mean, he claims that he kind of not copied Chandler Stevenson's move but saw what Chandler Stevenson did before him, saw how Jordan Bennington reacted. And uh, it's definitely a funny thing. You know, he likes <laughs> to just act like he's not fast even though you, you'll see him, you know, he's maybe not the fastest skater in the world, but he's so strong on the puck that you'll still see him break away and no one can seem to catch him sometimes. And then you see him, you know, he says he's not good at shootouts, penalty shots. Uh, we've seen a shootout winner now and a penalty shot goal from him. So uh, I don't know the explanation other than, you know, just a captain taking things into his own hands. I think that's really encouraging uh, for fans to see, for the fan base. Uh, I believe that tomorrow he will have played, if he, you know, assuming – he gets through tomorrow's game. He will have played as many games this season already as he played last season. And uh, we've heard people like Chandler Stevenson make comments like he's back, things like that. And I think that's really what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And it couldn't be at a better time. Again, you want to see the secondary scoring a little bit more, um, kind of like you saw at the beginning of the season. You don't want all the pressure to go on Mark Stone and that top line. But, you know, uh, they'll take it where they can get it. And it's, it's good for them that it's coming from their captain because – also, just the whole expressive Mark Stone thing and how excited he gets, I really do think that rubs off on the bench. I know Jack Eichel's been injured, but I don't know how much of a difference this would make. But if you told me that 36 games in, 38 games in, whatever it is right now, I think it's 36, um, that Riley Smith would be the goal-scoring leader for the Golden Knights, three yep. of the top seven-point getters for the Golden Knights are on that misfit line, I might have laughed. Yeah, why would you just – yeah, I mean, I get it. You've got Jack Eichel. Uh, you have other scorers. I get that. But the Misfits are – they're the heartbeat of the team in some ways. You know, Mark Stone's the captain, but they're the old reliable. 
that you can count on in any situation, right? Jonathan Marchessault has been huge on the power play. Um, you hope to see him back. Obviously, we don't have an update because they've been off uh, with holiday break, so you hope to see him back. But what he was doing on the power play, I think, uh, contributed to those numbers a lot. Riley Smith, they're just going in the back of the net for him, and it's because he's putting himself in good positions to score. Uh, it's something that we talked to the coaching staff about not long ago, and uh, people always talk about Mark Stone's hockey IQ and how smart he is, and we were told that Riley Smith, like, he might not talk about it as much, but he's right up there with Mark Stone, so he's putting himself in those positions. And you also see what him and William Carlson do, um, whether it's on the power play or on the penalty kill. Like, you're almost just as confident if you see William Carlson and Riley Smith out there, and it even looks like they're about to get an odd man rush on the penalty kill, you could almost, like, I, you, I can't bet on hockey, but you can almost guarantee it's going to go in, right? So, um, yeah, it's, I don't know that I would have laughed at it, but it's certainly um, it's important. Again, you, the injuries pile up. You have guys like Mark Stone scoring. You have guys like Riley Smith scoring. Um, it's huge that Will Carrier and Nick Waugh and Keaton Colasar were doing what they were doing at the beginning of the year. I do still think that they've been super effective, but you hope to see Nick Waugh and Keaton Colasar put some in. You hope to see Will Carrier keep his pace. Um, and you hope that the, I don't want to call it a third line because it's probably more of a fourth line given what Nick Waugh's line has done, but you hope to see them, um, you know, just establish some kind of identity. Bruce Cassidy's looked for that all season, but unfortunately as injuries have happened, it's been impossible for him to get a consistent line there. So uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, when in doubt, rely on the misfits. That's why, that's why they're the originals, right? There you go. Great stuff as always, Ashley. Thank you, and uh, get, get back to work. You had that long break to enjoy. Thanks, Ash. Uh, thanks, guys. <laughs> See you later, Ashley Vice. Great, great stuff. Check her She's out. The best. Uh, on the broadcast, the AT&T Sportsnet Golden Knights back in action tomorrow. We continue from Twin Peaks on this Monday. Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez in for Cofield and Company.